Father, we lift up our eyes to you who hears us when we cry, that you would give us strength, though we may be weary, for the mission that you have called us to. It is in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, have a seat, everyone. Welcome. And uh, happy Labor Day Sunday. So none of you guys have friends that live at the lake, huh? Now, I don't know how many of you are living through this now, have lived through this at one time and remember, but uh, kids, when they're toddlers, some of you live in this and remember this, they want to help you vacuum. Do you remember this? Who remembers this? You have to reach way back. They want to help you do the dishes. They want to help you fold the laundry. Man, I miss those days. Now, my kids are great. They usually do all of their chores. Uh, They never just refuse to do them. But sometimes I come home and and things aren't done, and I'm hearing this phrase, and I'm wondering if any of you have heard it as well. I forgot. Why aren't the dishes done? Oh, I forgot. Why is it your room clean? Uh, I forgot. Anybody else hearing this? Or is this just, I live in the Bermuda Triangle. Okay. Okay. I said you could not go over there and spend the night until your laundry is put away. But I didn't defy you, dearest father. I'm not a defiant child. I'm just temporarily mentally incapacitated. And surely you'll have mercy on my handicap, for I was not disobeying. I just forgot. Oh, you forgot, I thought. Oh, that's, that's easily fixed. So at the top of the summer, I made little color-coded note cards. If you've done this, you know where this is headed. So, so green for Monday and purple for Tuesday. And then to simplify it, we just made one house rule for the whole summer. And the w- rule was only three words long. You ready? Chores before anything. If you're awake, don't do anything until you've done your color-coded note card for the day. Man, I was so excited. I rushed home from work the first day to see the miracle that this new system had brought us. And guess what I heard? I forgot. Forgot? It's physically impossible. You don't have to remember anything except for one rule, and it's only three words long. Say it with me. Chores before anything And those chores are written on little color-coded note cards. Oh, I forgot about the note cards. I forgot to read the entire card. I was holding the card. I did read the card. I didn't have a place to put it, so I put it in the complete file. And and then I actually forgot to complete the chore. And in that moment, I had an epiphany. This is why so many animals eat their own young. <laughs> that, that actually wasn't, that was not my epiphany. My, my, my epiphany was, this is how God must feel. These days I don't think actually very many people reject God. I think we just get distracted. Too busy with work to raise up a godly family. Moving 
Too fast, starting college, fast, starting life, fast, starting our career. Too fast to walk slowly with God. Spending too much time in lake cabins and boats to serve in his church. What a terrible sermon to land on Labor Day Sunday. When I wrote it, I didn't know that was going to happen. I I don't mean to be unkind. Uh, I love all that stuff. I love all that stuff. Work's important. Career is important. Having fun and making those family memories, that's important. You know, and until the wheels come off. Until the wheels come off of life and we lose our way because we've drifted so far into these other things and, and so far from God. And what do we have to say for ourselves about how we got there? I forgot. Now, I've got one or, one or two distractions in my life. So here's some true confessions. This is so nerdy. <laughs> I love role-playing games. Yes, with the multi-sided die and the little screen and the charts, and the little metal monster figures. Rawr. I love that stuff. I love superhero fantasy games set in 1982. I love uh, 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 fantasy quests, you know, where you're sailing the seas, searching for the lost cup of Christ. I'm working right now, big surprise, on a Star Wars-themed game. Yes. But let me tell you that in 2014, I hit the nerd jackpot. I got an actual contract to write three role-playing game books for an actual role-playing game publisher. I mean, other than meeting Leonard Nimoy in person or marrying Jerry Ryan, this is the best any nerd can ever hope for. And so for the next year, I was... Who's Jerry Ryan? You're not nerdy enough. Um... Google it carefully. (laughs) Um, For a year then, I was busy, busy, busy. But somewhere in the late September of 2015, after getting 20 emails a day from the publisher, they were wanting to fast track all three books to come out on the same day, right before Halloween. All communication stopped. Just gone. Over. And the next day it was the same. And without all the noise of geek success rolling around me, I was able to look around the house and I noticed that something was burning. It was my relationship with my kids. Our kids and their faith were in deep, deep trouble. Now, I took a vow when I was standing up here in front of all of you when we dedicated those kids. We would raise them up in faith in the church, teaching them the articles of faith, faithful participation in the congregation. And I never renounced that vow. I never defied God. I just forgot. It was just like 12 months. Now, I know that when my kids tell me that the reason why they didn't do the things I've given them to do, when, when they tell me, well, I forgot, that makes me really, really angry. So I'm wondering how God responds when we wreck the life and the relationships he's given us. And all we have to say for ourselves is, I forgot. So this morning, we are going to take an abbreviated walk through the Old Testament, the whole thing, and f- almost, and then find out You know, how does God respond when we forgot? So, so far, we've we've started this series in uh, uh, July, finding Jesus or knowing Jesus through the Old Testament. And this first part of it's been about knowing Jesus through the Old Testament covenants. And we have 
all been exclusively focused on Genesis, that first book of the Old Testament, where we first found a covenant with Noah, right? A covenant to always provide a rescue from the floods of chaos. And then we went a little further into Genesis last week and found a covenant with Abraham, a promise uh, through one of his descendants to bring light to the whole world. So this morning, we are going to now fast forward 1,000 years and one book of the Bible into Exodus. So now in Exodus, the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt, but God comes and rescues them from slavery. And out in the desert on Mount Sinai, he makes a covenant with them. And sometimes we call this the covenant of Moses because Moses was the one up there on the mountain. So we're going to begin in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Now, some Bible scholars will read this and say that this is a a third you know, covenant. Like it's, he's given them three different uh, promises. But I actually think that what's happening here is a renewed covenant. You know, they will be his people. He will be their God. They will be a nation of priests sharing God with the world. To me, this all sounds an awful lot like what he had said to Abraham a thousand years before. I think this is a vow renewal with a few new features. But let me tell you, not five minutes after this covenant is made, it is broken. They worship a golden calf literally while Moses is up on the mountain receiving this promise. They grumble that God is not taking care of them in the desert. They rebel against Moses. And what reason do they have to treat God so harshly? Scripture says they forgot. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. They offered sacrifices to demons which are not God, the gods they had not known before, to new gods only recently arrived, and and gods their ancestors had never feared. You neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot. You forgot the God who had given you birth. So how does God respond when they forgot? The scripture says that God remembered. You go back to Deuteronomy 7, uh, verse 8. He was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That's why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery. We forget, but God remembers. And he even adds a little something new to the promise as he's remembering. So now we're going to skip ahead 400 years and seven books of the Bible into Samuel. Now in Samuel, the leaders of Israel are now, they want to throw off the structure God has given them to be ruled. He gave them rule by prophets. Well, they want to throw all that off and instead they demand that God give them rule by a king. Now, God tells them, guys, 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 this is a terrible idea. Kings are a bad idea. A a king will draft your sons into his army. 
A king will force you to plow his fields. A king will force you to cook his meals. A king will take the best of this land I'm giving you for himself. A king will tax you heavily and give all the money to his buddies and his cronies. 1 Samuel chapter 8. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warnings. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the other nations around us. Oh, come on, God. All the other nations get a king. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. He'll be the best. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, Do as they say. Give them a king. And their first king is a disaster. In addition to everything God said would happen, he is also a paranoid sociopath. How could they do this to God? Well, the scripture says they forgot. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 8. But the people soon forgot about the Lord their God. So he handed them over to Sisera, the commander of Hazor's army. Then the people cried out to the Lord again and confessed, We've sinned by turning away from the Lord. But we will worship you and you alone if you will rescue us from our enemies. And so he does. And then he brings them a second king. And this king, David, he's much better than the first king. But he's still human and still really flawed. Even though God never wanted this rule by kings thing in the first place, God comes and makes a covenant with their king, David. And we find it in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. Now here again, there are features of this covenant that are fresh and new. Now we're talking about a temple. Now we're talking about a line of kings. But a lot of what this is saying is just echoes of the previous covenants. A descendant uh, who have a strong kingdom that lasts forever, uh, building a temple for the name of the Lord. This sounds a lot like the things that God said to Abraham that we were studying last week. Remember Genesis 26, 4? I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give them all these lands and through your descendants all the nations on earth will be blessed. I'm going to say that this is also a vow renewal from God with a few new features. But why is God making a third vow renewal with the people who have forgotten him? Now three times. Well, King David's pretty amazed too and he writes a song about it. In 1 Chronicles, we find it, chapter uh, 16. It says, He is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. Remember His covenant forever. The commitment He made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant He made with Abraham and swore to Isaac. 
God renews his covenants to let us know that he always remembers his promises to create a chain of anchors that says you may drift, you may forget, but you never get far because I always remember. We forget, but God remembers. And he adds a little something to the promise each time he repeats it. Now, let us summarize the next 500 years of Old Testament history and every book of the Old Testament except for about five or six. Are you ready? Here is the summary. They forgot. They forgot big time. 10th century BC is all about kings taking hundreds of wives and concubines. Heavy taxes and forced labor to build magnificent palaces. A rebellion that splits Israel into two nations. Israel, the nation in the north, gets to keep the brand name. Judah, the kingdom in the south, gets to keep the temple. Both of them claim they are the real Israel. Both of them are a mess. Ninth century B.C. is instability. At one point, they have four kings in 25 years. Pagan worship. And they start killing the prophets. Eighth century before Christ is about oppression of the poor. Corrupt courts that always side with the powerful upper class. That takes part in ritual prostitution and child sacrifice. Assyria comes and conquers the northern kingdom of Israel and hauls them all away. Seventh century before Christ is about the near total collapse of the Hebrew faith into violent paganism. Child sacrifice is now rampant. There are some reforms and some revivals, but they never last more than a generation and a half. Sixth century BC, Babylon comes and conquers Judah, and now they're all gone. They're all living in exile. The prophet Hosea sums up this time period in Hosea chapter 13, verse 4. I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me, for there is no other Savior. I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud. And forgot me. We forgot. And so now we're back where we started the message this morning. Slaves in a foreign kingdom. And right in the middle of this mess. They just spent 500 years creating. God comes to a prophet named Jeremiah. To make with him. A new covenant. Jeremiah, chapter 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instruction deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will 
forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Now God gives a promise to forget. And what's he promised to forget? Our sins. I will never again remember their sins. Even when all seems lost, when we forgot God, and then forgot that we forgot God, he remembers And he makes his vows and he renews his vows and he makes his promises new again. So we started out this journey through the Old Testament to find and know Jesus through these Old Testament covenants. So where do we find Jesus here? Well, when Jesus' lead disciple stands up in what we consider the first sermon in the first church in Acts chapter 3, this is just after Jesus has died and been raised from the dead on Easter and ascended into heaven again, Peter connects all of that to the covenant with Moses. Acts chapter 3, verse 20. He says, Then the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. What about Jesus and the covenant with David? Well, the New Testament opens. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, literally the first line of the New Testament says, This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. As the New Testament opens, it says, Remember that Jesus is connected to these people and these promises. Now watch what he's about to do. Ten times in the New Testament, people who want Jesus to rescue them cry out with these words, Son of David, save me. They see what's going on and immediately know this must be the fulfillment of this promise. And then, of course, there's the new covenant, which churches like us and churches all around the world are so excited about. Uh, We say it almost every Sunday when we receive the Lord's table, when we recite Luke 22 or or verses like it elsewhere in the Bible. It says, this is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And for all of us who have forgotten God and drifted, look what Verse 19 invited us to do. This is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. This is our chance to remember. So, have you been distracted? Did you forget? Living a fast-paced young person starting out life with too little attention to your soul. Working 80 hours a week to provide financially, but failing to provide what a family really needs. Too much attention to summer cabins and boats, maybe. 
basketball, football, basketball, football, musical play, musical play, wash, rinse, repeat. These are all wonderful things. My family, my kids, we do all this stuff. It's all wonderful. Until you granted an all-access pass to run every decision you make such that those things always receive a yes for whatever they're asking without any questions and the things of God always receive a no and the back burner without any questions asked. All these things are wonderful until the wheels fall off and everything's breaking down and we're trying to sort out what's wrong, how do we get here, how do we drift this far out and the answer is so painfully obvious Too much time spent on all the wrong things. Not enough word of God. Not enough prayer. Not enough community of the church. We either ignored the things our brothers and sisters were trying to tell us as they saw us drift away, or we just weren't around them enough to ever hear their counsel in the first place, or we unfriended everyone we didn't agree with. And why did we do all this? Because we're wicked and rebellious. No, probably not that. Because we hate God and we think we know better. Doesn't quite fit either. Try this one on. I just forgot. I had a writing contract. I was making money down doing two things I love. That's like double scoop of the American dream. Get to preach. You get to write role-playing games for cash. (laughs) Double scoop of blessing. My wife was finally like, finally, something's good coming out of all this. I had to give her 10%. I had the tithes to the Lord, tithe to the wife, and tithe to the kids. 30% to the government. I made 100 bucks. <laughs> now, having a wife and kids and raising a family and prayer and the word, uh, I forgot. It's just like 12 months. But I believe God came down and caused some confusion somewhere in the publishing house in Arizona because they literally lost me one day. They just seemed to forget that we were working on a three-book deal. Uh, Truly, 25 emails a day, and the next day, zero. And the day after that. But you know how I know this was God creating this confusion? Because they had already paid me in advance. And I didn't have to finish it. And I got my eyes back on my family. And God brought the church back around us. And and thank you all who were there. And you know who you were. And things began to change. And I want to tell you that there are things right now that were going on in our family, which you are hearing every night. Every night you're hearing on the news, on the radio, on social media. Once these things begin, they cannot be changed. And I'm telling you that in our family, Jesus Christ was changing them. I forgot, but God remembered. And wherever you find yourself this morning, These are the anchors that demonstrate to us that God remembers. And you can drift, but you can't 
get too far because he remembers his promises. Unless you get out some sort of giant bolt cutters and cut that chain and row away, he remembers. He remembers. And he adds a little something to the promise every time he repeats it. He adds new features to the covenant every time he says it back to you. All I wanted at that time was for everyone in my house to quit acting weird and doing bad stuff. That's all I wanted. But this morning and, and all this year, my daughter voluntarily wakes up at 6.15 every morning to read the Bible with me. My son voluntarily brings his Xbox power supply to us to hide from him when we go out for dinner in the evening so he won't be tempted to go over his one hour of video games a day. It's better than it was before. It's more than I prayed for and a lot more than I deserve because I am not a very good dad. I mean it. I am not. I am not a very good dad. I, I have physical evidence. Um, my, my daughter made me one of those Father's Day cards a few years ago. You know, the, the ones they make themselves, the colored pencils and the art, and they're the, they're the best thing ever. And inside the card, it said, if I could choose any daddy in the world, you'd be in the top three. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought she was trying to be clever and funny. So I said, oh, honey, who'd be up there in the top three with me? And she said, Matt Settle and Troy Hartwig. (laughs) I did not want real names of people I go to church with, people that I used to like. But he's a good father, and he remembers his promise to save us, and he can make it better than it was before. Wherever you found yourself today, wherever you have drifted, he can make it better than it was before. Remember the story Chris told us last week during worship with his daughter, where he told his daughter, Jesus can make your heart better than it was before. Too true. Too true. Let's take a moment and contemplation and contemplating God's promises and his promise to us. Let's stand together. Our benediction comes from the words of Paul in the middle of Ephesians. He's excited about what God has done and can do. So let us proclaim that together. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Go forth in peace and let's be ready to serve him this fall.